Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Manhattan merry-go-round, Arthur Q. Bryan and Bill Thompson, along with Fibber McGee and Molly, comedian Carl Reiner, and Little Orphan Annie. The theme song used on the golden days of radio is actually the theme of an extremely popular program of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Here's how it sounded in 1945. Next, Manhattan merry-go-round. Jump on the Manhattan merry-go-round We're touring, alluring, on New York town Broadway, a model, a musical show our guest is you rest at your radio. We're serving music, songs, and laughter. A happy heart will follow after. And we'd like to have you all with us on the Manhattan Merry-Go-Round. Here's the Manhattan Merry-Go-Round that brings you the bright side of life, that whirls you in music to all the big night spots of New York town, to hear the top songs of the week sung so clearly you can understand every word and sing them yourself. Starring Conrad Tebow, America's great romantic singer. Alan Holt and Marion McManus. Dennis Ryan, Barry Roberts, the boys and girls of Manhattan, and Victor Arden and his spectacular Broadway stage band. Well, that's how it sounded in 1945. You know, in the mid-50s, Fibber McGee and Molly began a 15-minute nightly program on NBC, which proved to be just as delightful as their half-hour show was some ten years earlier. With Bill Thompson as the old-timer and Arthur Q. Bryan as Dr. Gamble, here's Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly. It's time for Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Sundays through Thursdays, NBC brings you Fibber, McGee, and Molly transcribed. The show is written by Bill Leslie and Lynn Levinson and directed by Max Hutto. We don't know for sure, but we think it may be spring in Wistful Vista. Mr. McGee thinks so, at least. Because he's just saying... No, kiddo, I don't think I'm rushing the season, bringing out the porch furniture. You don't, huh? Well, usually takes me till October or November to get it out here, but just thought I'd take a lead on it this year. Oh, well, you can always drag it back to the garage if it rains or snows or sleets. I may be just a wild, impetuous boy, but I'll bet you an ice cream cone it don't snow or sleet for a while. Not till at least the 4th of July. <laughs> I guess you're right. <sighs> you can sort of smell spring coming on. Ah, yes. Reminds me of that lovely old poem from our childhood. What's that? Spring, spring, springs everywhere. Springs in the mattress, springs in the chair. How's the rest of it go? That's all there was, fortunately. Oh. 
The poet who wrote it got thrown in jail, I understand, and couldn't get anybody to spring him. <laughs> hey, hey, what? Look, look, look across the street on that limb. See? That big bird. My goodness, that is a big one. What kind of a bird is it? Looks like an owl from here. But what would an owl be doing batting around in the daytime? He's supposed to be asleep. Well, maybe he doesn't know that. Maybe he's got insomnia. Shh. You hear that? What? That. Sounds sort of like a raven, doesn't it? I bet if you were an owl with insomnia, you'd be a raven, too. <laughs> well, don't you get it, Molly? He can't sleep. He gets upset. He's a raven. He's just a pun. So Ain't it funny, McGee. Well, they all liked it. Look, he's laughing. <laughs> oh, no, I guess he's just stretching his wings. He looks bored to me. You hear that? He's an owl, all right. But what the heck's he doing out in the daytime? Oh, I don't know. I suppose there are silly owls just like they're silly people. And come to think of it, I'm not sure which is the silliest, the owl on the limb or the McGee's on the front porch gawking at him. Good thing I brought the porch furniture out. I'm going to sit right down and... Hey, look. Watch him. He's taking off. He's swooping down. Look, he's diving in Toops's cat. <laughs> well, how do you like that? Every bird in the neighborhood and half the dogs are scared of that tomcat of Toops's. <laughs> not that owl, though. Oh, sir. He slapped the daylights out of that cat. Look, he dropped the rubber mouse he always carries around. And the owl got it. <laughs> Boy, I don't know what kind of owl that is, but he sure... Oh, Mr. McGee, you Mrs. McGee. Oh, hello, Mr. Wimple. Oh, I've just seen the most exciting ornithological rarity in years. Yeah, no kidding. We've been watching a bird ourselves. See him over there in Toops' tree? He's an owl. That's him, or, or it. A very rare snowy owl. Imagine him being here in, in this region this time of year. Oh, unusual, is it? Virtually impossible, Mrs. McGee. Uh, that is Nictia scandiaca from the Arctic. You hear that, Molly? The snowy owl, Nicotine scandiacus from the North Pole. That explains him flying around in the daytime. Up at the North Pole, he'd have to wait six months for darkness. Isn't this exciting? The snowy owl is just never seen in this region. Look, look what he's doing now. <laughs> he chewed up that rubber mouse he swiped from the cat and spit it out. Boy, does he look disgusted. Uh, that's what they live on at the North Pole, you know. Rubber mice? Where do they find rubber mice? No, no, I mean uh, real mice and lemmings and fish. Hey, Doc. Look, there's Doc Gamble across the street. He ought to see this. Hey, Doc. Hey, come here. Hurry up. McGee, don't yell so loud. You'll scare the bird away. Well. Oh, they're quite tame, Mrs. McGee. They come from such a desolate region in the Arctic. But there aren't any people there to shoot at him, so they're just as... Hi, pain. Wally. Wally. Hi. What's all the yelling for, Popeyes? Circus come to town, you spot a relative in the monkey cage? No, sir. <laughs> I just made a big orthological discovery, Fatso. Mm -hmm. Look at over in Toops's maple tree there. Uh-oh, he's taken well, off. Well, I'll be darned. What's an owl doing flying around in the daytime? This ain't an ordinary barn-type owl, Doc. This is called a nicotine scandiacus. Nictia scandiaca, Mr. McGee. Yeah, that's what I said. He's a snowy owl, Doc. Usually perches on nothing but the North Pole. Very rare, and where'd he go? Look, look, look! Where? 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 Coming down the street, old man McDonald. The owl's swooping down on him. Hey, that ain't old man McDonald. That guy's got hair. It's old man McDonald and his new toupee. No. Yeah, I made him. He goes around without a hat. Too many head colds. Ooh. Well, the bird's got it. He's got the toupee. Shit. Yeah, that's old man McDonald, all right. I can see that now. <laughs> Oh, 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 boy, snatched him bald. Oh, <laughs> cover up, McDonald, cover up, you'll catch cold. <laughs> if I didn't see this with my own eyes, I'd never oh, believed boy. it. Boy, that owl's the biggest kick yeah. I've had in ten <laughs> Look at him now, Doc, look at him. What's he doing? He's just sitting there on the limb. 
I put some coffee on, boys. Oh, where's Mr. Wimple? Oh, he went home to get his camera. Sure wish I knew where ours is, because this is really a thing. Owl comes all the way down here from the North Pole. Oh, is he still there, Mr. McGee? Is old Snowy still? Oh, there he is. Good. Oh, you got your camera, huh? Well, hurry up, Wimp. This will make a great hey, picture. Hey, he's taken off. There he goes. Uh oh, oh Don, I forgot film. Well, there he goes. He's heading north. Yes. Flying back home, I'll bet. Uh, goodbye, Snowy. Bye-bye. Fly away. Come again some other day. <laughs> Come on inside, boys. The coffee will be ready in a bit. Ah, uh, that's been very interesting, hasn't it? Yep. Fascinating. You know, they found one snowy owl up in Lebanon, Connecticut, last December, and that was considered very unusual. So wait till the Audubon Society hears about our snowy. Wait till the whole town hears about him. Yes, McGee phoned WBIS and gave them the whole story for the Nature Around Us program. All about what that fool owl's been doing, snatching rubber mice from the Toops' cat and stealing old man McDonald's new toupee and trying to lay an egg in it. Did you tell him about me feeding it? Oh, I sure did. You fed it, Doctor? Well, sure. You told McGee it lived on fish and stuff, and the only thing they had in the icebox was a package of frozen Louisiana shrimp. So I gave Snowy that. And he ate them? Perched right out there on the porch and ate it out of Doc's hand. Two bucks worth of high-priced shellfish we decided to be unselfish about. <laughs> yeah, and the owl loved it. I'm going to write out a full report on this whole thing for the Audubon Society, and I want you all to sign it as witnesses. Be glad to. Sit down now while I check the coffee. It should be ready in a few minutes. It's about time for that nature program. I'll turn the radio on and let it warm up. I'll have to scram out of here right after the coffee. If my nurse knew how I spent my afternoon... And when morning came, he found he hadn't rounded up any lambs, but had cornered 47 jackrabbits and 16 cottontails. Hmm, that's an odd kind of nature program. If we ever laugh like that at our bird watchers meeting... Shh, listen. Now, the next contribution is from Alex Morgan of Slow Rabbits, who tells about the time he and his brothers built a house. Well, sir, when they were about half through, they went to their father and asked if they should build the house from the top down or from the bottom up. Why, start from the bottom and build up, of course, their father said. So Alex turned to his brothers and said... Tear it down, boys. Gotta start all over. Is your nature around us program? It can't be. What time is it? It's the right station. Our program must come on right after this. And now, here's a last-minute entry. Came in by phone less than an hour ago. It seems that an owl with insomnia hit town this afternoon. Hey! Well, this owl, his name is Snowy, not only stays awake all day, but he spends his time scaring cats. Slaps the cats over and takes the mice right out of their mouths. Uh, what's going on? The wrong program. Well, it seems that Snowy lives up at the North Pole. But he's so particular about his food, he eats nothing but Louisiana shrimp. <laughs> but listen to this. The best thing Snowy did today was to swoop down on a local prominent banker, scalp him bald-headed, fly away with his scalp, and try to lay an egg in it. <laughs> all right, everyone, all right. I guess there's no doubt that last story wins the prize. Story? Prize? And therefore, it gives us great pleasure here on Afternoon Varieties to announce that Mr. Fibber McGee of 79 Wistful Vista is the winner of our big annual Foolers Contest. What? And has been declared king of the April Foolers to reign over our city all day tomorrow 
April 1st. Oh, well, gee whiz, uh, well, I won and I wasn't even trying. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> McGee, did Mr. Old Man McDonald ever get his toupee back? Nope. <laughs> I think Snowy must have took it back to the Arctic Circle with him. Poor Mr. McDonald. <laughs> he needed that, that rug, too. Rug my clavicle. On that guy, it takes wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. On one of his television specials, comedian Carl Reiner talked about the famous comic strip characters who moved from the newspapers and onto radio. The comic characters really came into their own with some of the greatest radio programs of all time. Nobody that was a kid between 1930 and 1945 can ever forget these sounds. <laughs> Ah, uh, don't touch that dial. Listen to Blondie. Smiling Jack now coming in on runway number one. Hi, Mary. Jack, darling. Oh, thing. Oh, Jack, you're hurting me. Did you miss me, honey? You know I did. Presenting Mandrake the Magician. The giant Lothar stands silently regarding Mandrake, whose eyes are fixed dreamily on the dancing tongues of flame. Listen. Here we are. Right over the dock, 545, with Little Orphan Annie's newest adventure. And remember what we told you last night. If you want a picture of Radio's Little Orphan Annie, send your name and address to her in care of the station you listen to, and enclose a little white pamphlet from a can of Ovaltine. One of everybody's favorites was the little girl who never grew up. Twelve years old, going on fifty. Who's that little chatterbox? The one with pretty auburn locks. Who do you see? It's little orphan Annie. She and Sandy make a pair. They never seem to have a care. Cute little she, this little orphan Annie. Bright eyes, cheeks a rosy glow, there's a store of healthiness handy. Might, size, always on the go, if you want to know. Arf, says Sandy, always wears a sunny smile. Now wouldn't it be worth the while, if we could be like little orphan Annie. Now comes a collector's item, the Little Orphan Annie program when it was the number one adventure show on the air. She sold more Ovaltine than Dean Martin sold bourbon, and the Orphan Annie shake-up mugs are collector's items today more than 30 years later. Here from the summer of 1940 is Little Orphan Annie. It's adventure time with Orphan Annie.
things surely are mighty exciting for Annie these days. What's going to happen to her tonight, do you suppose? Well, until it's time to find out, let me ask you this. What's happening to you these days? Having lots of fun? Believe me, I know some folks that are in for some fun. Those early bird friends of Annie's who've already sent for their new 1940 model Orphan Annie shake-up mugs. You know, all of Annie's friends who drink sweet chocolate-flavored Ovaltine can get these swell new shake-up mugs free. And boy, are they beauties. Wait till you see them. They're made of genuine beetleware in brand new colors. A beautiful deep green and a bright flashing scarlet. And every mug has a big colored picture of Orphan Annie and her dog Sandy right on the front. And don't forget, this shaker upper is a two-in-one gift. When you put the top on, it makes a keen shaker for mixing your ice-cold chocolate-flavored Ovaltine shake-ups. And then, when you take the bright red top off, presto, the shaker turns into a swell big drinking mug. And now, our adventure with Annie. Singapore Kirby's divers have at last discovered that big bed of pearl oysters in the bottom of the lagoon. But they haven't yet had time to bring up many of the oysters because night has again fallen on the island. Monty McDonald has a plan for destroying Kirby's diving equipment and making it impossible for him to get at the oysters. But to see how this daring plan works out, let's join Annie and Joe, who've crept down along the shore of the lagoon to carry out their part of the scheme. We'd better not try to get any closer, Joe. If one of those pirates happened to catch sight of something moving over here along the shore, he'd most likely come over here to investigate. And then the fat would be in the fire. Yeah, I think we'd better stay right here. You know what those fellas who have been rowing back and forth from the ship to the shore are doing, don't you? Well, we've been able to hear their oars creaking, and we can make out the shadowy figures of their boats in the dark. But as for exactly what they're doing... They're taking the rest of our supplies on board the Black Dragon. I guess they don't want to go to the trouble of standing guard around those supplies all night tonight. Well, they seem to be taking their time about it. Doesn't sound as if they're working very hard. Why should they hurry? It's not a very big job, and they figure they've got hours to do it. Yeah, and they're all in a good humor, too, since they found the oyster bed. Expecting to get out there on the lagoon tomorrow morning and bring up dozens of great big pearls. It'd be funny if the professor's experiment had failed and there weren't any pearls in those oysters at all. Well, I'll bet the experiment hasn't failed. Wait, just this morning the professor was saying... Wait a minute, Joe. We'd better do a little less talking and a little more listening. By now, Monty has had time to slip in among those pirates. And if he has... Well, any minute now, he's likely to be getting into one of the rowboats and rowing out toward the Black Dragon. Yeah, the pirates all the time thinking he's one of their own men. Oh, golly, wouldn't it be just too terrific if he manages to pull this off? If under their very noses he manages to steal all their diving helmets? It'll be wonderful, all right. But if one of the pirates happens to recognize him as a stranger... Oh, it's pretty dark tonight, Joe. You can be sure Marty will keep in the shadows. Well, all we can do is hope. Uh, they're having a good time, all right. I wonder if Marty has managed to get over... Listen. Listen to that. The bells of St. Mary's. It's the signal. It's the piece Marty was going to whistle just before he got into the small boat to row out to the ship. 
pond of oarlocks. Marty's in the boat and pulling away from the shore. Oh, gosh. I'm getting all trembling. He's past the hardest part of his job. He managed to slip in among those sailors and get to the boat without being recognized. Yeah. He's had good luck so far, but... Every minute, the suspense gets more terrible. The diving equipment is lying in those small boats that are tied up to the Black Dragon. If he can manage to go around and collect the helmets without raising an alarm... I see, of course, Kirby is bound to have a lookout posted on board the Black Dragon. Marty's being so bold about it all, though. Oh, and right out there, as big as you please, whistling a tune. It'll never occur to the lookout that an enemy could be that daring. That's what we hope. So far, none of the fellas here on shore seem to have paid any attention to that boat pulling away. But if they do get suspicious, we've got to be prepared to warn Marty. He ought to be out there collecting those helmets by now. It's still no alarm from the ship. Just a few minutes more. Hey, who's looking that dory away from here? Listen well, the dory is gone. Where is she gone? They discovered it, Joe. Get the signal to warn Monty. Yes, sir. Oh, Monty couldn't help you on that. And neither could the pirates. Well, now that we warned him, let's get away from here fast. You bet. Uh, they'll be coming after us. Come on, let's run. Yes, Monty McDonald heard those whistled signals, and he knows what they mean. He knows that it won't be more than a few minutes until he's discovered. But Marty, while working rapidly, doesn't get excited. His job isn't yet quite finished. Well, there are plenty of thrills in store for tomorrow, so make doubly sure not to miss Annie's adventure. Well, until tomorrow, this is Pierre Andre saying goodbye. Mutual Broadcasting System. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. By the way, the commercial announcements heard on this program were for entertainment purposes only and not an endorsement by the Department of Defense. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.